Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at proper three. And you say, what in the world is proper three? Well, this is actually a little bit complicated, but stay with me because I'm going to get to the scriptures in just a few minutes. But I'd like to provide a context for how we get this information. Now, in the Daily Office Lectionary, you have the season of Easter, which follows Lent. And in Lent, we are preparing ourselves for the death of Christ. And then Easter is about the resurrection of Christ. Now, there are seven Sundays of Easter. So if you listen to the last program, the seventh Sunday of Easter, you'll notice that I talked about Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, and Trinity Sunday. Now, the day of Pentecost The week of the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost is on a Sunday, is going to be proper three. And then Trinity Sunday is the first Sunday after Pentecost. That'll be proper four. And then proper five will be the second Sunday after Pentecost. Now that will begin our ordinary season. So what we begin with in the daily office lectionary is the season of Advent. Then we move to the season of Christmas. Then we go to the season of Epiphany. Then we go to the season of Lent. Then we go to the season of Easter. Then we go to the season of Pentecost. And Pentecost takes about half the year. It takes about six months. And then every Sunday after Pentecost is called the first Sunday after Pentecost, which is Trinity Sunday. And the last Sunday after Pentecost, which is usually the end of November, could be the 1st of December, but mostly at the end of November. It's called Christ the King Sunday. And the other way to look at it is through what we call propers. Proper 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I'll just keep you posted. Now you'll notice that we are looking at scriptures in the Old Testament from Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 5. We're looking at scriptures from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, four and five excellent texts and we continue our study we continue our study of Luke Luke 14 15 and 16 so you'll know that in the gospel Matthew Mark and Luke all right so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter four as we begin the week of Pentecost and you may have celebrated Sunday, or will celebrate the day of Pentecost. That's the day that the Holy Spirit comes down in Acts chapter 2, and we celebrate what often is called the birthday of the church, but it's the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They are drunk with the Spirit at 9 o'clock in the morning, and Paul, Peter, not Paul, uh, preaches this phenomenal sermon in Acts chapter 2, uh, very boldly does that. Remember, he's the one that denied Christ three times. But it's a very move, strong move of the Spirit and a strong move of God as the book of Acts opens. Uh, in chapter 2, in chapter 1, we have the ascension of Jesus. Uh, and he tells them to go wait in the upper room for the gift my Father has promised. And it happens to be the Holy Spirit, and they do that. So this week, we celebrate Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 5 from the Old Testament. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 4.1. Here now, o Israel, the... Decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Now, people need to be taught in order to learn. And 
what God does in the book of Deuteronomy that we're going to look at in great detail is the fact that he's going to teach them. He's going to teach Israel. He wants them to listen to the decrees and laws that he's going to teach them. Now, this is Moses giving the people of Israel the instructions that he's received from the Lord. Follow them. So if you follow the decrees, the word of God that he is teaching, you may live and go in and possess the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you. Do not subtract from it. Keep the commands of the Lord that I give you. This is a perfect reference to the word of God. We are to learn the word of God. This is what the daily lectionary is all about. We are to teach the word of God. We are to listen to the word of God. We are not to add to the word of God. We are not to subtract the word of God. We are to keep the commandments of God. And we are going to be blessed as we do that. Look at verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord your God is near to us whenever we pray to him? Look at the other nations. Their gods are not real. They're all idols. But this God, Yahweh, uh, Exodus chapter 3, Yahweh is the one that is near them and listens to them and speaks to them. He says in verse 8, What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting for you today, before you today? Another uh, rhetorical question. Nine, very important. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your children after them. So he's saying to leaders and the people of Israel, learn these laws, teach them, live them out, obey them, do what they say, teach them to your children and your children after them. It's important that your people, your families, your tribes, this nation learns the word of the Lord. And from generation to generation, they pass it on. Let's look at verse 13 of chapter 4. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then you wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me in verse 14 that at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So they are on the east end of Israel. They are going to go west, but before they go in, God is going to teach them through his servant Moses so that when they get into the land and they occupy it, Joshua, they will know what they are to do in terms of living according to the commandments of the Lord. Verse 15, you saw no form of any kind the day Lord, the Lord spoke to you out of Horeb, out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Verse 16, so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or woman. Don't, don't make idols. You are to worship the Lord your God. You are to honor him. You are to love him. You are to do what he says. You are to hear him. The Lord is a consuming fire, verse 24. We also see that line in Hebrews. A jealous God. Do not cross him. Do not go against him. Do what he says. Verse 29. If from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So put effort into this. Put effort into seeking God, into finding God, into loving God. Verse 31. 
The Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant of your forefathers, which he confirmed with an oath. All right. So this whole fourth chapter is this wonderful exposition of words from the prophet Moses to the people of Israel so that they can be blessed in the land that God is going to give them when they cross the Jordan, which Joshua, the book of Joshua, is about. But they must conduct themselves in order for God to bless them. They must conduct themselves in the right way. How are they going to know the right way? God's going to have to tell them. He's going to have to teach them. He's going to have to present to them the laws and the decrees that he commands them to know and to act upon faithfully. Verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. He is the Lord. There are no other gods. There is no other. Verse 40. Keep his decrees and commands. He says that repeatedly. Which I am giving you today, purpose clause, so that by doing this, it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the Lord, the land that the Lord your God gives you for all time. So I want you to be blessed. I want things to go well for you. I want things to go right for you. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen when you and I keep the decrees and commands of the Lord. It's going to go well if we do what he says. Chapter 5, 1 through 22, the Ten Commandments. Now, I could talk to you for five hours about the Ten Commandments. Obviously, I don't have time to do that, but there it is. Mark it in your Bible. Know where it is. Read it often. There are ten. There are not nine. There are not eight. There are not five. They are not suggestions. They are commandments. Do these. What's the first one? No other gods before me. No idols. No idols. No other gods. Do not make yourself an idol in the form of anything. Don't put anything in front of me. Do not make an idol in the form of anything. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Watch the way you use his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Number five. The Sabbath day is number four. Number three is do not misuse the name of the Lord. Number two, do not make yourself idols. Number one, no other gods before me. And we've already spoken about that in chapter four. Then you have do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not give false testimony, and do not covet. I believe that you and I should know the Ten Commandments in order. They are important to know, and they're important to live out. Verse 32. Well, verse 32. Be careful to do the what the Lord your God has commanded you to do. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. It's a narrow path. Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a narrow path. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Stay focused on what God has asked you to do. Is that easy? No, it's not. This is why I'm doing this every week with you, to encourage you and me and us together in keeping the word of the Lord and reminding you as you are listening to this or you are watching this, do what God tells you to do. Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. 
I want you to mature. I want you to grow. I want you to be transformed. And we'll see some beautiful words in 2 Corinthians. Do what God says. Know what he says. This exposition of the scriptures and your study, your daily study of the Bible, your reading of the lectionary and you're thinking about it is going to help you immeasurably. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians, which obviously comes after 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, 1 through 11, and that is about comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, the Father of compassion and all uh, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. This is a very important truth. There may be folks out there that are not doing very well, that need the comfort of God. They're in trouble. They're concerned. They're scared. Someone they know may be dying. They may be dying. You may be dying. You are fearful. You are worried. We pray that the comfort of God, who comforts us in all troubles, you can be comforted from and from the Lord. And I pray that you would receive that comfort from the Lord. This great scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is crucial to that. Do not rely on yourself, but on God. Verse 9. Do not rely on yourself. You and I do not have any power to do anything great. We must rely on the Lord God, just like I spoke about in Deuteronomy 4. The premise is, we cannot do this. God can. In fact, in the beginning of the Ten Commandments, he talks about being the one that got them out of the land of Egypt. So he establishes himself as the one that can save and deliver. We cannot do that. You cannot do that. I cannot do that. So he's the one that does that. Therefore, we look to him to, for prayer and for help. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, our, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relationship with you, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. We want to move by God's grace, people. We do not want to move by the worldly wisdom. That's not going to get us anywhere. And it's certainly not going to be satisfactory. This is a great scripture, verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We want to move by grace, supernatural. Worldly wisdom, natural. Not going to get you anywhere. The grace of God may be distributed to all of us well. God is faithful, verse 18. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, verse 19, who was preached among you by me in silence and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. It's yes in Christ. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, through the Amen, is spoken to us by the glory of God. Through him, the Amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Amen. We cannot do it ourselves. He appointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in us, as, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We are in Christ. God has put us in Christ. We are standing firm in Christ by God's grace. And the power of the Holy Spirit is in us as a deposit in our hearts, guaranteeing what is to come. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit participate in this extraordinary life that you and I live. They are present in everything that we do. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 14, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ 
and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance and the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The aroma of Christ, the good smell of Christ. It is a good thing to spread Christ. It is a good thing to know Christ. It is a good thing to be in Christ. There's a pleasantness about being in Christ. Okay? Chapter 3, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 to 18. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what you want in your life. You want the freedom of the Lord. So he's not talking about not being in a jail or not being in bondage. He's talking about true freedom, which comes by being in the Spirit of God and having the Spirit of God operate in your life. Verse 18. And we, chapter 3, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. That would be a wonderful thing, that, to reflect the glory of God. Or being transformed, I love that word transformed, as you know, into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Can't do that. We can't, we can't bring into play ever-increasing glory, but the Spirit of God can do it. So what Christian living is about is submitting to the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and allowing them to do their work in us on a daily basis. 2 Corinthians is a beautiful example of that. Let's look at chapter 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. No reason to preach yourself. Jesus needs to be preached. And ourselves as servants for Christ's sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light, this is verse 6, shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now there's a lot to say there. And again, for time's sake, I can't stay with you on that. But please make reference to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And finally, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. This body is a jar of clay to show that this surpassing, all-surpassing power is from God and not for us. This treasure is Christ. I don't have the power. In this jar of clay, all of us have. We have this all-surpassing power that is from God. Again, supernatural power of God. We're going to see this in the gospel coming up in Luke. Supernatural power of God. It's not from me. It's not from you. It's from God. Submit to the God. We see that as early as Deuteronomy chapter 4. Enjoy the great um, fourth chapter, um, verse 18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. I mean, you can't say it any better than that. What's important is not what we see. It's what we don't see. What we see is temporary. What we don't see is eternal. And that's what, obviously, eternal means. It lasts forever. Okay? We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And finally, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We're all going to stand before the Bema, the Bema of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You want to have repented. You want to have asked forgiveness. You want to be following Christ. Take very seriously what we've said about Deuteronomy and 2 Corinthians. Enjoy 2 Corinthians. It's fabulous. Luke chapter 14, back to Jesus again. 
what's so beautiful about the lectionary, we've got the words of Jesus, we've got the words of James or Paul or Hebrews or Peter, and then we've got the words of the Old Testament. And you bring them all together, it's quite extraordinary. 1425 to 35. Um, let's see, what do I want to say here? Peace I leave with you. Oh, gosh, I've got the wrong text. I'm in John. I need to get to... to that's a good scripture, by the way, in John, but that's not where I'm supposed to be right now. 1425, there we go. Large crowds were following with Jesus, and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother, father, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's very strong. So that means we're back to commandment number one. There's no other gods before me. Do not put your family members before Christ. Christ has to be first, and we need to carry our cross and die and follow him. They are secondary. They are important, but they are not primary. Christ is primary. And then he talks about building a tower and thinking about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. Plan. Think about where you are in a relationship with Christ. Think about where you are in your um, planning to know Christ better. And how are you going to accomplish that? And how are you going to allow the Spirit of God to work in your life? In chapter 15, we have the great um, parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. Fantastic parables about the love of God, about God looking for you, about God caring for you, about God seeking you out, about him being excited about people that repent. It is so good to repent. It is so good to tell God you're sorry. It is so good to fall on your face and say, you messed up, and God, please help me. Please do that. Being part of a church body, I do that on a regular basis because I go to a lot of church services, but every single one of them are important to repent of our sins. And, of course, the famous parable of the prodigal son is in 15. In chapter 16, we have the parable of the true manager, which is one of the strangest parables in the uh uh, in the gospel readings, it's the shrewdness of this guy that allows him to, ha to keep his work with his manager. And he gets very smart to do that. That's followed by a very interesting scripture in the second half of 16, the rich man and Lazarus, and how important it is to be loving to the poor and to be supportive of the poor and to be generous and to be kind and to be giving. And it also shows us the chasm between heaven and hell. And that um, it is important to share the gospel with people and pray that they receive the gospel. No, Father Abraham, verse 30, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Go and tell them. I don't want them to come here. He said to them, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So that's a beautiful way to end our time together uh, with um, proper three or the, the week of Pentecost, and that is that we want to hear the word of the Lord. We want to be taught. We want to learn. We want to listen. Deuteronomy chapter 4, the first several verses. We want to hear what God says. We want to hear what the decrees are. We want to hear what we're supposed to do. So Lazarus, you know, received bad things, and he was comforted. But the rich man did not. He ended up in hell, in torment. And Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And he wanted 
the rich man wanted his people, his family, to be with Lazarus. Go back and tell him. So that proper teaching and the teaching that we need to have in order to do what God wants us to do is crucial. Well, what a wonderful uh, tray set before us of teaching this week. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 5 and uh, 2 Corinthians. I was just barely scratching the surface of 2 Corinthians. So good. And then just reading the gospel. The parable of the prodigal son is timeless. You know, running back to the father. You know, being restored. Asking for forgiveness. But not being like the older brother that demands from the father. Why didn't you treat me better? Son, I love you. But your, your brother is... It's come back, and we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. We need to forgive him. We need to love him. And the father goes out and races and, and embraces his son. It's a, just a fabulous, timeless story. Well, God bless you, and enjoy this week of reading and prayer and reflection, and we'll see you next week for the Daily Office Lectionary. God bless you.